Okay, so today's daf is Yoma, Samech Zayin. In Yoma, we are at the bottom of Samech Vav Amud Bet, the Mishnah. Miyakirei Yerushalayim, Ayumi Lavinoto Ad Sukkar Yishona, that the, the, the noble people of Jerusalem, the Mechashuvei Yerushalayim, as she says, the people that were important, Miyakirei um, Yerushalayim means the important people of Jerusalem, they would, he would have an entourage, we call it. They would have a, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the Ishiti that's, uh, that's taking the Sirah Mishdalech out, so he had a group of people who would escort him out, it's to show Kavod for the Mitzvah, until the first Sukkah. We'll see what the Sukkah is. Basically, there were different stops on the way to the place where he's going to push the Sirah Mishdalech uh, over. And so these Sukkot, there were people waiting there for him, basically, along the way, he would be going. Now, it's, and Rashi says, Sukkot asulo baderech, ubnei adam olchin lagur shavnei yom ha-kippurim, shimbelevinot b'sukkah la-sukkah. There were certain people that they would be, that, their job was that they would, they would sleep outside, I guess they would stay in the sukkah, and they would be there, and as the person would come, the ish-iti would come, they would see him, and he would have a station along the way, um, walking the, um, uh, there were uh, 10 uh, Sukkot actually from the place that he left from Jerusalem in other words when he exited Yerushalayim until the uh, until the cliff where he's going to push the uh, where he's going to push the the Sirah Mishdaleach Tishim Ris Ris is a certain distance okay 90 Ris there was from Yerushalayim to the location where he pushes the Sirah Mishdaleach and that's Shivau Mechetzal Kol Mil which means seven and a half for each mil. In other words, a ris is, in 90 ris is 12 mil. Mil is like around, a, about a mile in our, uh, you know, in today's um, uh, measurements. But it's, so a mil is the, uh, is the distance. Or a mil is usually counted as like, a, uh, you know, it is the distance that in between. So basically, if there's 12 mil along the way, there are 11 uh, stops. In other words, he would go from Yerushalayim to Sukkah number one, and from Sukkah number one to Sukkah number uh, two, and so on, until he gets to the last Sukkah, and then he has to walk from that last Sukkah to the cliff. Okay? Yeah, it's a long walk. He says, It's Rashi says, so basically, um, and every, each one of them, Rashi says, there was a meal from each one of the, uh, uh, between each sukkah, except for the last one, where he said, the, the last one, there's two meal in the, in the final trip. Okay, and, and uh, we're going to see more details about this. Every time he would come to one of these Sukkot, they would say to him, here's water, here's food, meaning if, he's, if he was hungry uh, or drink. Uh, yeah, even though it's Yom Kippur, they would say in case he needed it. So the Rambam says there's a special thing that just like you can break the rules of Yom Kippur of uh, Melcha to do that with that, if he needed food in order to go, he would be able to eat it. Uh, he will eat it, right? Umila, but but it's it's going to say later that he never he never did. And they would they would so the people from Sukkah number one would walk him to Sukkah number two from Sukkah two to Sukkah number three and so on. Um, until the last one, and because they, they wouldn't walk with him uh, to the uh, to the cliff itself, they would stand from far away. And they would watch him. What would he do? He would cut a the red string. Half of it he tied onto the rock. And two, and the other half was tied between the two horns of the goat. 
and then he would push it backwards. In other words, he was facing him and he would push it backwards. So he didn't know what was, what was happening. Like we read in the Avodah, it says he would, he would fall down the hill. And, and he didn't reach halfway down the hill until he was already uh, broken into pieces. And then he would go back to the last sukkah and sit there until the end of the day. In other words, he didn't have to, uh, he didn't walk all the way back. Uh, he's right, he was a long walk. Yeah, so he he would stay he would stay at that last sukkah until the end of the day, waiting for, uh, waiting for the yeah exactly. Uh, and then uh, So we know that the person who is the ish iti who sends out the siyam shalecha to say lazazel he becomes tamei and his, his garments become tamei. So when does he become tamei? According to the tzakama, from the moment that he leaves Jerusalem, he becomes tamei because he's mishalech to say lazazel, meaning the beginning of the process makes him tamei. No, from the time that he pushes the Ramishtalech, that's when he becomes Tamei. So the question is, when does the become, because the Torah says, Ramishtalech to say Lazazel, right? What? Because Torah says that the person who sends them Sir Mishtalech, he becomes Tamei as part of the, certain services you become Tamei in doing it, like, uh, he goes to the Mikveh like anybody else. Only his Begadim? He and his Begadim. Whenever it says Begadim, it means the person and the Begadim. Yeah. So it's a, it's a more severe tumah because it affects the begadim automatically. But uh, there are certain avodot that meaning there are certain things that the, also the uh, uh, burning of the parvasayir shiyom akipurim the person who burns it they also become to make um, because that's to do with the averot it's like so to speak you know. Uh, Contaminated, but not really. But it's uh, <laughs> symbolic that you know there's, that this was a source of tumah. What he was dealing with. So the question is, when does that start? What is hamshaleach? Huh? Right. Yeah. The, if, if you touch it after. Yeah. The, it, certain certain parts of the certain in certain ca- cases it can make a person tame. Yeah. So in. I, the um, the the point is the question is what's hamshalech atasir lazazel? That's what I was talking about. Is that talking about when he leaves Yerushalayim, or that's talking about where he pushes it? So the Gemara will talk more about that. Now, Tanur Rabbanan the Rabbis said, "Es sukkot u'shteva samilin hayu." There were ten sukkot and and uh, twelve mil ultimately between Yerushalayim and the ultimate destination. Divrei Rabbi Meir, that's Rabbi Meir, says Rabbi Yehuda says, "No, teisha sukkot v'asramilin." According to Rabbi Yehuda, was only ten mil the whole trip, and there were only nine sukkot. So meaning he could go from uh, Yerushalayim to Sukkot number one, number two, number three, up to number nine. He's only gone nine mil, and then the last mil is uh, you know from the last sukkah to the uh, to the cliff. So it's only yeah, it's only nine. According to that, there's only 10 mil. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Chamesh Sukkot Vasamilin. He says, no, you're right that there were only 10 mil from Yerushalayim to the cliff, but there are actually only five Sukkot. And they were all through Eruv. In other words... Maybe they are different cliffs, different years, no? No, they always went to the same one. It's always the same one. Yeah, but it's not like the geography changes, so they can't like... There's not going to be a new candidate. It's, you know, it's going to be the same. It's... It, it, that I don't know, it's but a, um, it's it's tw- it's two thousand amot for a meal. For each reese, he says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Meal, yeah. yeah, yeah. He says, he says, um, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's good climate. Yeah. So he says, it's not really a mile, but yeah, because as he says, he says, lekol al paim ama meal, right? Isn't that what it is? That's what he says. He says seven and a half reese equal to two thousand amot. Right, it's seven, right, seven and a half reese, right, which is the meal is two thousand amot because the so at, um, uh, we usually say a foot and a half, so it would only be thirty five hundred feet. It wouldn't really be a mile. Maybe it would be like a kilometer, not a mile. 
What? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just about. Yeah. No, it's not really because it's 3,500 feet. It's like a mile is 5,000 plus feet. A mile is a foot and a half. So 2,000 amot is like 3,500 feet. So it wouldn't be a mile. A 2,000 amot would be like 3,500 feet. It would be like a kilometer around, I think, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So in any case, um, so the... Uh, so the uh, uh, so the point is that the, he said the eruv they had an eruv in other words because a meal is the furthest you're allowed to walk on on, on Shabbat because of eruv uh, you know because of the rule of techom right so it says that, that each one would be al yidei eruv in other words the uh, he would have they would, he would walk to the first sukkah he didn't need an eruv because he doesn't have to he's allowed to uh, bend the rules of, of Shabbat and, and and Yom Kippur to do the avodah but then from the first sukkah if they're going to walk him to the second sukkah. So then really they're going to need an Eruv Tchumein to extend to the next Sukkah to be able to walk him there. And then the next Sukkah also will have to because he's saying there's only five and each one is they're going to walk him 4,000 amot to the next Sukkah. So it's going to be a longer trip. He doesn't need the rule. He does, yeah, he's, he, he, needs the, he needs the rules. He needs the rules because he's carrying the Sarah Mishra. He doesn't need to worry about the rule of Tchum. That's why he's allowed to walk as far as he needs to. Okay, but okay. they, to accompany him, they're not really doing a, a, a mitzvah. They, 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 I mean, they're doing a mitzvah, but they're not doing something that could override the rules of Shabbat and, and, and Yom Kippur. I'm Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi said, Sachli Elazar Bani. My son Elazar said to me, and according to Rashi, it means he was like saying it as a joke almost. He was saying, Im al If you're going to do it by Erov, Right, then you could do two Sukkot and ten Milin. Why? Because he said you, what you could do is have them, everyone meet each other halfway. You know, the first Sukkah will come, if there's ten mil, so you're allowed to go, um, you're allowed to, and the last is, is between the, the, the last Sukkah and the, uh, and the Tzuk. So, so let's say they, they come and they meet him halfway, and they, and they will, uh, he'll, he'll come to the first Sukkah. They can go, uh, 4,000, let's say they extend their tchum, 4,000 amot, and the other one extends their tchum also, they can meet him halfway in the, from the second sukkah, the, because each one will meet in the middle, and they, and, and bring him to the, uh, and bring him to the second sukkah. So it will turn out that you don't really need a, uh, you don't really need five sukkot if you're going to use an eruv. If you're going to use an eruv to go to the next one, they could just meet in the middle. The pers- they could have just two sukkot. So he comes to the first sukkah. Then the people from the second sukkah and the people from the first sukkah will each make an eruv to extend their techum and they'll meet in the middle. And then you won't have a problem. Rashi explains it there. He says, Why? So the people from Yerushalayim can walk him the first two meal because they make, a, they, they make an Eruv Techumin and they can walk 4,000 amot. Right? So, and from the first Sukkah, they'll come two million out. So, in other words, so the fir- from Yerushalayim, he can be, he can be escorted two meal, which is 4,000 amot, because they made an Eruvet Tchumin, they extended their Tchum, right? So they can, they can walk him out. Uh, and they can, and the people who are in the first sukkah can come meet him halfway because they made a reuvet chumin, right? And then v'sukkah uh, arba'a and then you place the second sukkah four thousand amot further, right? And then what happens? So in other words, in every sukkah you can have some people who made an eruv to go one way, so they can meet him halfway one way, and one, and some in the next sukkah they can meet him halfway the other way. So they, so each way he has an escort. 
word. From the second sukkah, people will come to meet him halfway from the first sukkah, and so on. And some people will make a uh, will make the eruv going the going towards the uh, towards the tzuk towards the cliff um, to walk him that way. In other words, if you use eruv. Tchumin, uh, you can always go 4,000 damot. You don't have to be limited by the uh, 2,000 damot because you're always able to extend another 2,000. So if, you, if you're thinking that way, so then you would be able, even with uh, only two sukkot, to cover the entire distance that he could be escorted because he can be escorted by people from Yerushalayim that made an Erovet Chumin and then he can be escorted from people from the first sukkah that made an Erovet Chumin and he can get all the way to the tzuk with, with only two sukkot in between him and the, uh, and the other side. So... Um, and the destination, right? So that's why I said, my, my son said to me, why do they, if they're going to use Eruvay Tchumin, they could, they could easily do it. Keman as lahaditanya. Also, and anyway, he just made that observation. In other words, he was, he didn't say that as a halacha. He was just saying, if you're going to use Eruvay Tchumin, you could be really creative and just have two sukkot. You know, but, uh, so once you're coming onto the idea of Eruvay Tchumin, because the first opinions were saying, without Eruvay Tchumin, we're going to have ten sukkot, or we're going to have nine, or ten sukkot. That way you have, uh, a system where you don't have to use Eruvay Tchumin, because there's a break every there's more stations along the way, so right, yeah. So, so, but, but then Rabbi, uh, but, but then when uh, when Rabbi Yossi said, well, let's use Erovet Chumin, so you only need five Sukkot. Or oh, once you're going to use Erovet Chumin, you might as well uh, use two Sukkot, right? So that was what his son said to him. But in any way, it leaves it as as is. And then Kiman who is the opinion? The last that's in the following Brayta, the last Sukkah the one who says that the that the, the person waiting for him in the last sukkah does not accompany him to the cliff is Rebbe Meir because according to Rebbe Meir since that last trip would be two mil it wouldn't be one he's not able to walk all the way with him to the cliff because it's outside of the tchum and, and according to Rebbe Meir and Rebbe Yehuda the people sitting in the sukkot did not make a tchum, did not make they, they, and so therefore he would not be able to accompany him all the way to the cliff he watched from far away that's of course Rebbe Meir because according to Rebbe Yehuda there's only one mil between the last sukkah, because only ten million in total, there's only one meal between the last sukkah and the, and the cliff. So the uh, so the person sitting there would be able to accompany. And according to Rabbi Yossi, they made eruvet chumin, so they would be able to uh, they would be able to accompany also because the the last sukkah is also close to the uh, to the cliff. Because according to Rabbi Yossi, there's ten uh, there's five sukkot and there's only ten meals, so for sure he would be able. The last person would be able to accompany him to the cliff. But according to Rabbi Meir, that there's two meal the last distance, so therefore it's outside the tchum of the person in the last tent and he wouldn't be able to accompany him. Now, um, they would always offer him food and water at the stations in case he wanted. No person ever needed this, it turns out. Now, this is a famous saying, it's a very famous saying that a person who has bread in his basket is, is, is not the same as someone who doesn't have bread in his basket. This is the, this is the psychology behind why once the fast is over, you're not hungry. Right, you're starving. Oh my God, I need to eat. Then the fast is over. You say, okay, I'm not, I'm not really hungry now. You know, even though you're the whole day thinking food, oh, I can't wait. But because when you have the food available, yeah, I don't need it. When you, ha- when you don't have food, oh, it's psychological, right? It's like you wake up in the morning hungry on the fast. It's like, why are you hungry now? You don't even usually eat now. Why are you hungry? It's, it's all in the, in the head. 
So that's the same. Pat b'salom. A person has, uh, you know, it's the same thing as it say, says about a married person since they have a wife, whatever. They, they're, you know, they're uh, at least have an outlet for their uh, libido. So they, you know, it's a different, psychologically different than a single guy that uh, get himself in more trouble. Yeah. You, know? you cannot have a... Right, he has a more problem. He has to be married to get Right, right. Every debris, if he comes, right. Now, in the in, so the idea is now according to the Rambam, actually, technically, just like he's allowed to do melacha, the person who's taking out the siyum mishdalech is allowed to eat, and it's he doesn't even have to be in, a, in an emergency. Some rishonim say no, no, no. It's saying only in a case of emergency is allowed to. The point is, either way, he never actually ate. Now, my yaw, so, those no, they can't. They're not allowed to carry anything. It's outside. They just walk to show kavod for the... Yeah. It's like watching, walking the chatan, you know. The walking the, he's doing do a mitzvah, that's all. Brother, if it's Pat Besalo, why don't you just give him food instead of people coming and offering him? He never took it anyway. Because then he's carrying. He doesn't want to carry uh, unnecessarily. Why would he carry? It's his hotzah. Yeah, they're sitting in sukkah. It's, uh, they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, my said. Cholek, yeah, exactly. And then he says, okay, I'll have. No, 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 I was just kidding. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, so, they, they, so he, would split the, he would split the red string, put part on the rock, part on the horns. Why, why doesn't he just put the whole thing on the rock? Because the mitzvah, to put it on the seir, because right? Because what will happen is that if, the, if he puts the whole thing on the rock, so then maybe the string will turn white because the Jewish people have already been forgiven and then he's going to feel good and he's not even going to bother pushing the uh, Seir down the thing. He'll just uh, forget about it. Is it a mechanism um, once it's pushed it turns? But no, it, apparently, it apparently, sometimes it was, apparently sometimes it was earlier. That's, that's what it's saying, right? So in other words, since the mitzvah is to push him and you might not push it because you see that it turned white already because Rashi says, Something will happen and the person will be very happy. Oh, I don't need to, uh, and he'll, he just will neglect to do the mitzvah, so therefore he has to put part of it on the rock, part of it on the sa'ir. So it's, it's, so it's the color, it's red. So, so why doesn't he put the whole thing between the horns of the goats? Because the problem is that if you put the whole thing on the sa'ir, in other words, the point is that you won't forget to push the sa'ir over because you're putting, you, because first you tie the string onto the rock and then you tie it onto his horn. So you're looking at him. You're not going to forget to do it because the one on the rock turned white and say, okay, I guess I can go home now. And you just forget about the sa'ir because you're looking at the sa'ir. But what, so why don't you put the whole string on the sa'ir? Because maybe as he's falling down, you won't be able to see it turn white. And part of the thing was for him to be able see it turn white and report back it turned yeah, white 40 years right? it never turned white what at the end in the beginning in the beginning they used to tie it instead of on the rock they used to tie it on the outside of the hechal in the Beit HaMikdash outside he'd be if it turned white everyone was happy if it didn't turn white they were sad and embarrassed of course so they started tying it on the door uh, inside the Hechal, so only the Kohanim inside could see it. Outside people couldn't see it. So people would still try to peek in. So if, they, if it didn't turn white, they would be sad and embarrassed. So that way, they had damage control. In other words, uh, they, not everybody would see it, so it wouldn't demoralize the people. They wouldn't necessarily, you know, only the Shaliach would actually see it. And of course, if it was good, he would report it and make a big deal out of it. And if not, people would have to wonder. 
קושין לשון של זהורית, הפתח עולם בפנים, כיוון שהגיע שעיר למדבר, היה מלבין. So in the beginning they used to tie the string inside the, pet, the אולם, so that once it became, once the שעיר reached the desert, it would turn white. וידעו שנעשה את מצוותו, and then they would know that the מצווה was done, שנאמר אם יהיו אחתיכם כשנים, because it says if your sins are like red, כשלג ילבינו, um, they're going to become uh, white. שלג is snow. No, no, Shani. Shani is red. It's another word for red. Yeah, it's red. Yeah. So it's another word for red. So the idea is that they would do that and they would, that, they would know that way what time the, uh, the Seir reached the Midbar because it would see it turn white. Tolat Shani is a red string. A worm because it's like, that's a thread looks like a worm, I guess. You know, that's why they're called Tolat. He didn't make it down halfway before he was already split into pieces. Now that's the question that Mr. Levy asked yesterday. What's the status of the, uh, can you benefit from the Seira Mishtaleach, the, uh, Uh, the former Seir HaMishtaleach that is uh, dismembered. If you find the pieces, now obviously you can't eat it because it didn't have Shechita, but can you benefit from it? So, chad, uh, so there's a Machloket. Rav and Shmuel, yeah. Can you, so one said it's allowed, one says not allowed. It says send it to the Midbar, meaning Midbar means, uh, means Hefker. It's, you know, you send it out, it's, it, it becomes available to anybody. Because it says the word Gzera, Gzera means Chomer Visur, she says, meaning it's strict. You, even though it's called, it's called Eretz Gzera because you can't benefit from it. So now, uh, so what does he do with the word Midbar? Since he says the word Midbar doesn't mean it's, it's a Available for use, which means like a hefker, like open for use. So then, what does he do with that word? He uses it for a different thing. Because it three times mentions the midbar, three times it mentions the desert with regard to Sira Mishtaleach, which is coming to teach you. Because you might have thought that this whole idea of sending out the Sira Mishtaleach was only something relevant to the desert because it says, you know, because it happened when it's described in Parshat Achraimot, it's talking about the Mishkan and it's talking about sending to the desert. It's not the same thing. So you might have thought in Nov, Givon, the other places where the Bet HaMikdash was situated over the years, you wouldn't have the same concept of Sion Mishtaleach. So it's telling you that you have to have this sending out process even when you're in a Yishuv and you're, you're already settled in a place and you're not just traveling in the desert, you still have to have it. Right? So the one who emphasizes the word Bamidbar and says the word Gzera doesn't tell you any limitation on the use of the Sion Mishtaleach. So then what does he do with the word Gzera? He says the word gzera means cut. In other words, that you have to go to a steep cliff, not a cliff where it's going to be like fun to roll down the hill, you know, for the like when your kids, you know, roll down the hill. They don't want that. It has to be No, it's called Gzera because he's going to be broken up into pieces as he goes down. Or the word Gzera could be a remez, could be a hint to the idea that a person will think that this is Matsetohu, this is a nonsense to push the Yisrael From the word Gzera, I Hashem decreed this. You cannot doubt the efficacy, the value of the mitzvot that Hashem gave, and therefore gzera is a hint to the idea that it's a gzera takatuv to do this, okay? But either way, you use the gzera for a different drasha. So you still have the machloket, can you benefit from the pieces of the Sir Mishalech or not? Amar Avam Mistabrak Imanda Amar Mutarin, the logical conclusion is that you can benefit. Why? Because lo amra Torah shalach takala. Because the Torah is not going to tell you to send something out that's going to cause problems, the takala. In other words, obviously in the case of in the case of the Sa'ir in the Midbar, where you just send it out to 
the Midbar, some random guy's going to find it. He's going to use it. He's not going to know this is Sirah Mishtalech. Okay, obviously, if it rolls down the hill and it dies, so, uh, uh, but even there, some uh, shepherd Bedouin is going to walk around. He's going to see uh, uh, pieces of a thing. He's going to feed it to his camel. I don't know. So why would the... T- same thing with sending out the Tzipor of the, uh, the Mitzorah. You send it out. Of course, it can't be Asur Ba'ana'a because then somebody finds a random bird. Every bird in the world, it could be of the, the Mitzorah. You can't use it. So, therefore, it makes more sense to say that it is not Asur Ba'ana'a and that's the Halakha. Actually, the Amar Mitzorah Ba'ana. Yeah, there's a lot of logic behind it, but I, it's it's. I mean, but but the Yeah, there's a, there's explanation of the meaning of it, but it's it's supposed to symbolize what happens to the person who lives a life of chet that they don't even before they realize it. Boom! The, like the rasha always, he falls. He doesn't even know what hit him. You know, it always says in Mishlei, the rasha walks in the way of chet and he thinks, oh, I'm going along and it's so nice and this, and then he doesn't realize he's facing one way and all of a sudden, boom! He's he he, he destroys himself without realizing it. Mishlei talks about it a lot that the the chacham is always careful where he walks and the fool he, without even he doesn't even see what hit him you know he's, it happens and it's true so it's, it's a symbolism of that no the selah is by the tzuk no sin when he pushed but right before he pushes him over this is the rock, this is the thing. Put it there. No, no, no. When, when do they do it? No, he said he walked 12 mil out to the, the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what he's doing. Yeah. 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 There's no brachan. There's no brachan. So, so why does it say before they, they did it in the Beit HaMikdash? The other half of the string, they used to put in the Beit HaMikdash. That's what it was saying. They used to, which I mean, in the beginning, they used to put this, the other half of the string. Not the half that, not the, they, the, they, in the beginning, they didn't have to split the string, actually, because what they did was they tied the string in the Beit HaMikdash, but then they said, let the guy who was pushing it um, take the string so people don't see it if it doesn't turn white. But then they made him split it in half and put half on the rock and half on the goat, because if they didn't put half on the goat, he might just see that it turns white and not bother pushing the goat. So they, that's, that was, they just said the history of it before. There's no brachan each action in the Beit HaMikdash. There's too many different actions being done. They don't say brachot on the, on all of the, uh, on all of the actions done in the Beit HaMikdash. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah but they don't do it. They don't do it every time they do zrikah v'korban al zrikah tadam. They don't do on every step of the avodah. There's no brachan. They do a vidui. Yeah, there's no brachan. There's no bracha. Yeah, it's not a, It's considered a part of the. Once the, the avodah is underway, they they don't have brachot on every step of the avodah. In general, he doesn't say bracha when he comes to the ketoret and to the. He doesn't say brachot on it. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, where was I? Tan, uh, tan, uh, oh, tanu azazel. So, what does the word azazel mean? az vekashe. That uh, means that it has to be a hard place. In other words, it's a place that's rocky and hard. Um, that's the that's the, yeah that's the uh, that's the definition of it. Now yachol bishuv, you might think it should be in a settled area of a town. Well, the midbar it should be outside. I mean, in other words, let's say you have just a place that's uh, a rocky area that's within the residential area. No, it has to be outside. Minayin she How do you know that it's a cliff? Well, the gzera means a place that has a steep slant. Right? Tanya idach azazel kasher shebearim. Azazel means the the rockiest of the mountains. In other words, it should be a mountain that is az. It's strong. It's hard. Like it says, like it says, so it's saying the word azazel, the word that even the word el here, the sound el in the word also means hard and strong because it says, it's the strong ones of the land he took. So it's, it's saying um, that az is also strong and el at the end of the word is also a, uh, also means strong and hard. 
So this says that it's an interesting thing. said, Azazel um, atones for the sins of Uza and Azael, which is a re- which is a reference to Gilui Arayot. Actually, it's a reference to sexual immorality. And um, Rashi says that this is based on the idea that these Malachi Chabala, these destructive angels, demons, whatever, came in the, came down to earth in the times of uh, in Bereshit that it's referred to of Elohim Benot Adam and so on, so forth, right? Yeah, it's it's strange because most of the midrashim take the Bnei Elohim means that the, the sons of the rulers, not the sons of the not the malachim. But okay, the point is not so much about that story. But the point is to say that it's mechaper al giloy arayot. Tanu rabban. The midrashim that the women came and asked for the wings to go back. Yeah, Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. It's interesting uh, because Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai says in the in midrash Rabbah, Anybody who says that Bnei Elohim means Malachim is a is a kofer and apikoros and he's a, you know he's a he's a mean whatever you know he's a heretic to say that because there's no such thing as Malachim right right so but in the Zohar it talks about it so some people said oh you see that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai obviously didn't write a lot of the Zohar because the Zohar says <laughs> that's one of the proofs that they bring because in the Midrash Rabbi says anybody who said that's apikoros and he's a, he's a heretic and then in the Zohar it says that that Midrash he says obviously Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai anyway I don't want to get into that, get to too much trouble. Although I'm, I'm leaving soon, I can get. But Rabbi Ben Chaim will back me up on. Tanu Avana and Mishpatayitasu. You should do the Mishpatim of Hashem. Shilmalei nichtivu, meaning if they had not been written, dinu shikatvu. That even if even if they were not written, they should be written. In other words, things that we know that are logical. Eveloheen avodat kochavim idolatry. You know that it's nonsense idolatry. Gilui arayot sexual immorality. Shvuchut ami murder. Regezel stealing. Obirkat Hashem cursing Hashem. Interesting that it counts all of these as mishpatim. So they're all obvious, right? And chukotai tishmeru, you should keep my statutes. Varim shasatan mishivalein, things that the yetzara and the satan argue with them. Ve'eloheen achilat chazir, what's wrong with eating pork, right? Ulevishat shatnez, it was very popular to eat pork at certain points in history because it was very cheap. Ulevishat shatnez, um, uh, wearing uh, shatnez, the, uh, the prohibition. Because it's very light. Na, na, yeah, very right. That's that would be good. that's different. But chazir was a lot of times very easy to get and very very cheap, and that's why it was uh, very common. Um, and the mitzvah chalitza, the tarat mitzvah, the process of the mitzvah purification, siyom mishdaleach, and siyom mishdaleach is always on that list, right? V'shem etomar maset tohem. So maybe you'll say they're nonsense, they're meaningless. These these chokim. Talmud Amar Ani Hashem, Ani Hashem chakaktiv. Ve'en lachavushul le'arubin that Hashem, I Hashem, have established it, and you cannot question the value of it. In other words, these are chokim. So it's saying that even though there is a mystery to the process of the significance of these details uh, of these of these uh, mitzvot, and they seem to be the kind of thing that you say, what is what could the meaning of this possibly be? There is a reason. Hashem has a reason behind it, uh, and you shouldn't doubt it. And in fact, according to uh, many of the rabbis, the Rambam, the Ramban, they all say it's good to try to understand what the reason is if you can. Just don't doubt that there's a, a, a if you can't find the reason, you shouldn't doubt that it's that uh, that it's right. But there's nothing wrong. It's actually a mitzvah to try to understand it as best as we can. Now. When, when this, these items, it's only these that are Hukim or no? The it's giving an example. It's, it's giving an example. He's saying, here's an example. Yeah, these are Hukim, the rest are... The rest are right, so the, the idea is that on one hand, if a person's doing Mishpatim, <clears throat> he should do them not just because they're logical, but because he knows Hashem commanded it. Right? In other words, it says about the Bnei Noach, like the Rambam says, the, the Gemara says, a Ben Noach, a person who is a tzaddik, 
Tzadikei Umot HaOlam, the non-Jews who observe the commandments of Sheva Mitzvot, they, they are they are Chasidei Umot HaOlam, they are good and they get Olam Haba. But the Rambam says that's only if they do it because it's a mitzvah. If they just don't kill people because, you know, they don't want to get in trouble, that's not the same thing as not as, as being a decent person because they're a God-fearing person. They recognize Hashem. Right, so in the same way, saying the Mishpatim, Hashem also commanded them. Why? So you understand, yes, it's not nice to kill people and it's not nice to steal and you don't want them to steal from you, kill you, you don't want to go to jail and all that. That's true. But the reason you should do it is because it's Hashem's commandment. So too, when it comes to Chukim, of course, the per, you, you know, the per, there, a person will see things that don't make sense to the, you know, immediately to us, the meaning behind it. And yet a person is doing it because Hashem commanded it, established it, and therefore we trust the wisdom of Hashem that, that it makes sense. And ultimately, even if we don't see it right away. Now, when does the person who sends out the Seir become Tamei? First of all, only the per, only the ish iti becomes tamei. The person who actually is going to be pushing the goat over the cliff is, becomes tamei. But the people who escort him, that entourage that goes with him, they do not become tamei. Maybe you'll say once he leaves the beta megdash, he becomes tamei because that's he's exited. Talmud lomar hamshaleach. It has to be the sending out. Meaning it has to be further than that. Maybe you'll say that it, until he comes to the cliff, he's not going to be tamei. Talmud lomar vehamshaleach. Vehamshaleach. I guess the vav and the hey. You know, limit it. Meaning, In other words, we find an intermediate ground between those two extremes. That uh, because Rashi says that implies that he already sent it. In other words, it's a, there's a way in which it sounds like something's already been done and something hasn't been done yet. Something in the in between. So therefore, it's not the leaving of the Beit Hamikdash alone. It's not the arrival at the uh, Tzuk. It is the entering. Uh, once he leaves Yerushalayim, so he's considered to be in the Midbar. He's considered to be outside the the the, the residential area. That's when he becomes Tamei. According to Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yossi Omer Azazel vechibes. It says now this is the pasuk that it says Right. So he says you see that right after it says Azazel, it says yechabes. Meaning what? Meaning that Adshigia. Um, Letzuk, that when he comes to the place called Azazel, he comes to that cliff, that's when he becomes Tamei. Rabbi Shimon Omer, the, the Shiluach of the, uh, uh, of the Sa'il Azazel is the pushing of the, uh, of the goat. So that's when he becomes Tamei. So we have three different possibilities. We have either when he leaves Yerushalayim, that's what's called Hamshaleach, meaning that he exited, the walls of Jerusalem is called the, the sending out, or the other, the other extreme a possibility is that when he actually pushes the Seir, he's sending the Seir to its death. That's the real sending. Or it could be when he arrives at the place which is called Azazel, that's when he becomes Tamei. So one of these three um, points, the question is, what does it mean when it says, since it's such an extended process, at which point of the process are we going to say that the, that the, that the Shaliach becomes uh, that the ish iti becomes tamei. One of these three points in the process is going to be it. And we have a similar discussion that's going to come up later in the Gemara about burning the parin sa'ir also makes the person tamei. The question is what point? When he takes it out to burn it or when he actually burns it? There's going to be a whole discussion of the same thing.